Let's have the Kingdom Kids uh, dismissed at this time. The Kingdom Kids can go to the uh, Junior Worship Program. Man, oh man. Pat, you're doing an excellent job in Family 101 for the uh, Bible uh, study hour at 9 o'clock, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, really enjoying it. And then the praise team, thank you so much. Uh, just uh, led us to the throne of God and just got to enjoy His presence in our life. Thank you very much for uh, leading us in worship today. Okay, so I want to uh, speak about praise God for marriage today. Praise God for marriage. And I want to do something a little different today. And it's for, it doesn't matter if you're single, it doesn't matter if you're single again, uh, you're widowed, it, it really doesn't matter. I want the, the guys, the teenagers, to the men, to the elderly, I want all the guys to uh, read with me, and then I want the ladies to read off the screen. And what this is, it doesn't apply for some, but what this is, is a covenant renewal if you're married. But I want, like I said, I want everybody uh, to read, all the guys first. So uh, let's go ahead and have the first uh, slide for the men. There we go. Okay, guys, uh, uh, it's the groom covenant renewal. Let, let's read together. Uh, I renew my covenant with you before our Lord, who is our creator and savior. I promise to love you and walk with you in God's will. I promise to protect you and provide uh, for you physically, emotionally, spiritually as God enables me. This covenant lasts until God by death shall separate us. We need words like that in our thinking. And that's why I wanted even singles and divorce, I wanted everyone to read those words. Keep those words in our thinking. Now, ladies, I need you to be more vocal. I don't want you to predominantly hear my voice in reading yours. So let's, uh, let's, let's do the next one. I renew my covenant with you, who is our creator and savior. I promise to love you, encourage you, and walk with you in God's will. I freely accept your protection and care and will help you build our family for Christ's glory. This covenant lasts until God by death shall separate us. Okay, the big idea in this message today is that three biblical teachings about marriage that are important for us in an age where there are so many marital problems, okay? And so that, that's what I want to bring today. So the Bible challenges us in three dangers to marriage. One, the danger of seeing marriage as a legal contract. In other words, how many Americans have said it's just a piece of paper? paper. Yeah, that's a danger to marriage. If someone believes that, they don't understand. Uh, number two, the danger of sexual intimacy apart from marriage. Number three, the danger of viewing marriage as only a human relationship. That's, that's all it is, just a human relationship. Well, the very first point I want to dive into today tells us that it is more than just a human relationship, and that is the, it, your marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant. In Malachi chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, though she is your partner, 
the wife of your marriage covenant. The scriptures teach that marriage is a covenant between two people and God. You got to bring in the Lord in that, and I'm going to show you why. Proverbs 2, 16 and 17. Who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God? And that's what marriage is. A covenant we made before God. And here in Proverbs, she has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made with God. And then Matthew 19, verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one. And therefore, what God has joined together, let not man, what? Separate or put asunder, exactly. And so that Matthew 19, 6, what God has joined together. Can you see it's a covenant? Can you see it is something that he recognizes, he sees, and we are to honor this covenant. And so the marriage covenant is based upon quickly three things. One is trust. I will trust you, you're saying to your spouse, and I will be, I will be trustworthy, reliable, and dependable. Can you say that you are that in your marriage? If you're not, you don't divorce. You study, you talk with some. If you're a man, you talk with a fellow man. If you're a lady, you talk with a fellow lady. Someone you admire their marriage relationship and say, you got to give me some pointers because I'm doing something wrong. Whatever it might be, but you need to work on this. Number two is unlimited responsibility. I am committed to your welfare no matter what. I'm committed to your welfare no matter what takes place. No matter what surfaces, no matter what happens to you or happens to me. And then third, it's a binding agreement. I am committed to your welfare. Yes, I will never allow, listen to this one, church. I will never allow new circumstances to alter what we have. What kind of new circumstances? Well, your husband's health fails. Your wife's health fails fails. There are people that bail out of relationships because I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not spending the rest of my life taking care of them. And so whatever the circumstances come, I will not alter the covenant before God. And it might be that you meet, gentlemen, you might meet some really uh, cool, pretty lady. And, And ladies, you might meet some really cool and handsome guy. Here's, here's, here's what I say. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Things, thoughts come up into your head, and you've, you've heard me say before, if you don't get them out of your head, they're headed for your heart. And it's much harder to get something out of your heart than it is out of your head. You conquer it, you mind your own business, because I am dedicated to this covenant before my God. And I am dedicated to this covenant with this person. And so uh, the importance of this I think an example of it is in Joshua 9, verse 6. You don't have to turn there. It's where the Gibeonites, it's where the Israelites were coming into the promised land and they were conquering and God was going before them and giving them cities left and right. And the Gibeonites feared the God of the Israelites. And so what they did was they lied. They tricked Joshua. They put on old clothes. They took molded bread and put it in their sacks. 
And then they went to Joshua and his men and said, here's the lie. We've come from a long, faraway distance, from another land, long way, but we've heard about your success. We've heard about your military campaign. We've heard about your God, and we're wanting a covenant with you. We're wanting peace with you. And, and the scripture is very plain that Joshua did not consult the Lord. And Joshua and his men made a covenant with the Gibeonites. And here's the deal. When they found out the Gibeonites had lied and deceived them. Boy, you know what we were thinking. No, we're going to wipe you out. Nope, can't do it. Here's the idea behind covenant. They made a covenant with the Gibeonites in the name of Jehovah God, and they were not allowed to break it. They were not allowed to break it, even though they were deceived and lied upon. And so, what were the Gibeonites asking for by a covenant? They were asking for protection, alliance, mutual responsibility, and trust. They were wanting to be in the land beside the, this mighty people with a mighty God. Covenant. The wedding ceremony is a covenant setting. How so? This is strange. Now hold on. It's, it's, it's a covenant because we, we separate. Unless one family is, is awfully small. Generally, uh, you know, American families, a lot of times they're both large families, both friends on both sides of the family, and you're going to fill a church building with 250 people. That kind of thing. And, and have you noticed that the bride's family sits on one side and the groom's side, the family sits on the other side? Well, that, that's done on purpose because you're entering into a covenant and the bride comes and walks in between them and the groom stands in between them and it is a merging of the two families. This picture is found in the Old Testament uh, between two parties when they would sacrifice an animal. They would cut that animal in half. Strange and bizarre as it is, we're not cutting up our families but we're cutting up that animal and we're walking in between the animal, this sacrifice. And in uh, Genesis 15, I'm, I'm just going to read this real quick. I won't even read all the text. It's on the screen. In, in Genesis 15, 9 through 18, I just want to read 9 and 10 and then verse 18. 9 and 10 reads, So he said to them, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and three-year-old lamb and turtle dove and young pigeon." Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each a half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. In verse 18, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the Euphrates. Man, that's a long way from the Nile all the way up to north or northern part of the territory where the Babylonians came from and, and the river Euphrates. That's a lot of territory that God promised Abram. And he divided the animals and Abram would walk between them. In Jeremiah 34, 18 and 19, you'll see it more clear. In, in Jeremiah 34, 18 and 19, I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not fulfilled the words of the covenant which they made before me. Here, here, here's what they did. They broke the covenant and here's what they did. When they cut the calf in two and passed between its parts. 
the officials of Judah and the officials of Jerusalem, the court officials and the priests and all the people of the land who pass between the parts of the calf. And here a bride and a groom will pass in between their two families making a covenant. It's, it's imagery, of course it is. And so in the wedding ceremony, the groom enters first. Why? Why does he enter first? Well, because we want to see the bride and all her beauty come... No. Well, we do, but... It's because the groom initiated this contract. The day that he pulled out a ring and got down on one knee, and he invited her into this contract, excuse me, not a contract, into this covenant. There's a difference between a contract and a covenant. <laughs> i got to get that out. I'm sorry I said that. But the, the, the groom enters first, and he initiates this covenant and assumes a greater responsibility in fulfilling it. And so the holding of right hands, when, when I have a, a couple join right hands, uh, their hands in the service, it is a sign that each pledges their strength and their will and their resources to one another. It's not all mine and you've got all yours. It's ours. We're in a covenant with each other and before God. And guess what? You see the sign, you see the picture on the slide of the people signing the guest book. What in the world is that all about? Well, we want to remember who was at the wedding. You do. But the signing of the guest book it says, We are the witnesses to this covenant. And that's what it is. These are the witnesses who came to witness the covenant. In this ceremony, we see, two, we see two families become one, and they are joined together by this covenant of these two people. And what are we saying? What are we saying? We're saying that covenants are not to be entered into at will and dissolved at whim. that we're in this for life. And this is what we want to raise our children. This is what we want our youth in focus, teen group, and in our, in our uh, kingdom kids, junior church. We want the kids to understand. Wherever this is possible, we want you to understand this is for life. And so we see our marriages are a covenant entered into the presence of God and with God. Secondly today, your marriage is uh, the only place for sexual intimacy, adultery, premarital sex, sexual perversion are all enemies of God's plan for marriage. Men are often viewed as sexual animals. Women are often viewed as sexual prey. It is the playboy philosophy that originated in America. God's got something better. Why? What is God's purpose for sexual intimacy? Sex is good. Sex is holy. It's beautiful in God's plan. It is, number one, for attachment. It is for attachment. Sexual intimacy is the enactment of the one flesh idea. It's wholesome. It's delightful. It's a, it's a unity that God bestows upon a marriage that a husband and wife would have for attachment. That Genesis 2.24 is a good text where it says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and uh, will be united to his wife and they will become 
1, right. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians, I, I said 6, 7. Is that the first one on the screen? Yes. 1 Corinthians 7 and verses 3 and 4. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife. You see how the scriptures look at that? Because in our society, when people want to lie against God and lie against the Bible, they got it that women are nothing. And the men are over the women and they treat them badly. And that is not what's going on here. So I want you to hear it with your, I want you on YouTube to hear it for your own self from the scriptures. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 4. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise. Also, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. You see the mutual agreement in that? Because, why? You're in a covenant together. So, what is God's purpose for sexual intimacy? Uh, it is for uh, attachment. Now we can go to the 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I, I've got on there 13 uh, through 20. I just want to grab 15 through 20. 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But for the immoral man sins against his own body. Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God with your body, in your body. And so, uh, beautiful text, all because we're in a covenant. Now, number two is, why has God created sexual intimacy. Number two is for children. Sexual intimacy is God's appointed means by which we share with him in the creation of new life. Malachi 2.15. Has not the Lord made them one? And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. Psalm 127 verse 3. Behold, Children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now I want to turn to and read the entire chapter of uh, Psalm 128. It's only six verses. Okay? Uh, Psalm 128, 1 through 6. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, when you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. I wish I knew what the American equivalent of olive plants around the table would be, and I'd use it this morning. But listen, 
your children around the table. What that signifies is you're blessed. And then verse 4. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Gentlemen, do you fear the Lord? If you, if you fear the Lord, this is what the Lord wants for your life. This is what he wants for you. Verse 5, the Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children Peace be upon Israel. I love, I love the idea and the concept that we love our, our children's children. When you pray for your children, how about parents? You go ahead and start praying for who they'll marry one day. Yeah, but they're only six years old. I think you better start praying now. And, and then you, you pray for their children that aren't born yet. And you pray for your grandchildren, you pray for your great-grandchildren, and you pray for a, a lineage, a heritage on down the line that the gospel will not die with you. That it's going to continue and continue and continue. And then we find that sexual intimacy is for pleasure. Now, we're not turning to, and I won't be reading any text from the Song of Solomon. When's the last time you read in that bad boy? The Song of Solomon. See, something happens when you read the Song of Solomon. Number one, you'll probably blush in your reading by yourself. The, the second thing that probably happens when you read the Song of, of, of Solomon <laughs> is that you look over the shoulder to see if anybody's watching you read Song of Solomon. It's spicy stuff. All right. Well, in the beauty of marriage... Sexual intimacy is created by God. It is not something to blush about and hide, nor is it about something that we should flaunt and laugh at in gossip sessions. It's special. It's God-ordained. Third, today, your marriage is a picture of Jesus Christ and his bride. I, I absolutely love this concept. Boy, see, when, when you pick on the church, you're picking on the bride of Jesus Christ. And, and that's one thing we've taught in our culture. You don't pick on, you, you do not disrespect a man's wife, or you're going to have to face the man. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from you badmouth the church and you badmouth Christians, you're going to face Jesus Christ one day. It's his bride. And he loves his bride. Don't ever pick on the church, no matter how sometimes it seems the church is just in a bad way. And the people, I hate Jesus, I hate the church, I hate Christians. It's the bride of Jesus. So in Christian marriage, there is a tender relationship which there should be, get this, no bondage. No bondage. There's a certain part in the ceremony when I marry a couple, it's, it's the wedding vows, but here's what I say. Now as a testimony that you have carefully considered the significance of the step that you're about to take, and that your hearts, here we are, here, we, here it is, and that your hearts are united by Mutual affection. Because there's no one standing before the minister 
with their families on adjacent sides. No one is supposed to be forced into this relationship. Not the man, not the woman. It is mutual affection that brings them here. And so no one is under bondage. Only service out of the heart that we love one another with mutual respect. And our marriages are images, they are pictures of Jesus Christ loving his bride. And who is Jesus' bride? It is the church. Absolutely. And so I want to go over to, you know, this text was read in uh, Family 101 this morning. And so I want to go over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to start at 21. That was read in class this morning. But I want to go to the end of the chapter. I, this is rich stuff. Uh, if you're having difficulty understanding it, because maybe you've heard this for the very first time uh, today, uh, I, I want you to know that Paul, when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, what he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus loving the church. But he's illustrating that with husband and wives. Some people read it and say he's talking about husband and wives, and he's illustrating Jesus and the church. Whatever you can gain from it today, Soak it up and believe it. Because 21 says, Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Be subject to one another. Mutual respect. Out of the fear of Christ. What is that? You're making a covenant. And you don't go against your covenant with God Almighty. So, in the fear of Christ, the respect of Christ. Now let's keep reading. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. And as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having not spot or wrinkle or any such thing that should be a holy and blameless. Boy, that verse 27 reminds me of that wedding dress that ladies so many times will buy. Beautiful flowing white dress. So let me read 27 again so that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands, you ought to love your wife as your own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, is mis this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Verse 32. And then verse 33, I'll close with this verse in this particular reading. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. 
Now, I've shared that before when I, when I talked about a, a, a sermon series about mama saying tenor and daddy saying bass. Everybody's got a role in the family. Everybody carries out a function and role. And, and, and the idea here is a husband's love your wife, wives, you, you complete the, the uh, circular motion that you respect your husband. A man needs to know that he is respected, and that's why when things aren't going well at home, a man can find respect at work. That is, if he's a hard worker. And he gets pats on the back. He can't get them at home, he gets them at work. And, and women are the same way. If they can't find love, they go to the kids. Can't get love, and they go to the kids for their affection and love. And so the Bible is true and accurate every time. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Paul describes the role of the wife in terms of, get these words, willing, free submission. He's not describing submission. He's describing willingly, freely submitting. She's not being forced. She gladly, this is why Family 101 this morning was so rich. She, she gladly does this. She places herself under the leadership of her husband who is devoted to the purposes of God for marriage and life. She willingly places herself under the love of her husband who, by the way, he commits himself uh, to protect her to provide for her physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He is the initiator of this covenant and uh, accepts the greater responsibility for fulfilling this covenant. So many times in American homes, you know it as well as I do, that the man uh, justifies everything he does or doesn't do because I'm a hard worker at work. Now everyone in the home serves me. I believe wholeheartedly and firmly that a wife should take care of her husband. It, he's the main, not anymore, but at one time he was the breadwinner. He was the main breadwinner. And you must take care of his mind and his heart and minister to him the best way you know how because if he goes off his rocker and quits work, your family's without anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Your family's without anything. And so take care. But here's the deal. Now we find both parties, both husband and wife working. And we find out through Scripture. See, we're trying to live out today. Well, we're both working. We both need to help out. Well, the Bible said that all along. It's 2,000 years old on the New Testament part, but it was there all along. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Two parts of the wedding ceremony underline the man's calling. One is a white dress, as the bride declares. Uh, one, she comes into this relationship with the purity of heart and life for which the husband must be responsible in protecting that purity of heart and life. Jesus cleansed the church by his loving sacrifice, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word. Husband, uh, likewise, are to minister to their wives, keeping their heart pure and beautiful before the Lord Jesus Christ by the way you treat her. 
In the ceremony, the minister is going to ask, who gives this woman to be married to this man? Now, the answers are varied, but most of the time, and what is tradition, it's whatever man thought up, but most of the time, it is her mother and I. He might kiss her on the cheek. He might whisper something in her ear, but he gives her a light hug, not to mar the wedding dress, and he goes and sits down with his wife. Generally, traditionally, that, that's what happens. And, and so what is going on here? What is going on here is that the father of the bride confers the parent's blessing on the marriage. And he gives to the husband the duty to care and protect his daughter, which he has been doing for the last how many years? And now he turns that over to the husband that he is going to take care of her. Oh, wow. And so the danger of facing marriage today, it's not a piece of paper, people. It's a covenant between each other and before God. Uh, the danger of marriage is sexual intimacy apart from marriage is a threat to marriage. And then uh, the danger of marriage is people thinking it's just a human relationship when I have tried to describe it's a covenant between each other before God, as you're making that covenant with God Almighty. Now, the blessing that uh, Pat Rodewald has been sharing with us in Family 101, last week's lesson, I wanted to bring out the main points of it in close today. Uh, love one another is the theme uh, of these uh, wonderful films that we're watching, and then Pat's uh, questions, scripture, and application. But uh, love one another unconditionally. Serving one another Forgiving one another is next week, by the way. Honoring one another with mutual respect. Praying for one another. Encouraging one another. Building up one another intentionally. Intentionally building one another up. And then the last, devoted and loyal to one another only. Never giving up. Now what I'm trying to describe in this is Jesus and you. You are the church. I'm trying to describe your relationship. You will do anything and everything to protect Jesus Christ. And he will do anything and everything to protect you because you're the bride. He loves you. And our God, if you're not in Christ, our God wants to make a covenant with you. And that covenant is sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son. It's a beautiful covenant between you and God. And I'm asking you today, will you accept that covenant of love? Will you be obedient to, will you accept this covenant of love? It's through faith. It's through repenting of your sins. You're not coming up here to whisper your deepest sins in my ear. You're going to pray your own prayer to God and ask for forgiveness. And then you're going to go to the watery grave of baptism and feel the cool, refreshing waters rush over your face, knowing that the old man or the old lady there, that old person of sin, that is done with. That is gone because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
It's where the old man or old lady dies and the new is resurrected to walk in the newness of life. And you can do that. And you enter into a covenant where God will love you. and He promises to love you always as he always has. You promise him you will love him always as we have not always done. Yeah. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I celebrate what you have done in our life. I want to thank you, dear God, for marriage. I know, dear God, that there have been uh, a lot of marriages uh, destroyed in America. E even the best marriages, Father. Many have rough times. But we need to see it, dear God, that it's the greatest investment a man could ever make, a woman could ever make. And that is in one another that are Christian and love Jesus Christ and want to raise up the children in the Lord Jesus as well. I pray, Heavenly Father, today for men and women and boys and girls everywhere that we'll get on board, that we will follow your Holy Spirit's leading and leaning, and that we'll give you our everything because you are sovereign God. We give our lives to you afresh and anew today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing. If you have a decision for Christ, you come and, 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 and take my hand. If you would like prayer, you just come underneath the cross. There's a section cleared out right here. You can come pray. Or you can tell an elder uh, what specific prayer concern that you've got on your heart. And he'll pray with you. Let's sing.